This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Signing day is officially over. Iowa's added 21 new commits and signees to its Football team and Sean Bach and myself, David Eichel for 24-7 Sports, are here to break it down. It was a very, very busy signing day. I know Sean put about put out a bunch of content. He's been covering this recruiting class for what would you say, Sean? It was about two and a half, three years in the making-ish. Yeah, I mean, going back to the 2021 summer of 2021, um, I was still in college then. Uh going into my last semester at Iowa, taking a couple of summer classes. So yeah, it's been, it's been in the works for a while, obviously getting guys like Cody Fox and Cam Buffington into the fold early and seeing what those guys developed into was pretty big for this Iowa staff. And then you get the two, the two linebackers, uh, Derek Wieskopf and uh, Preston Reese, getting those guys later in the class when Iowa really wasn't their first offer, which is, you know, not not a shock, but, I mean, program like Iowa State was the first offer for Reese. Obviously, we know what they've done at the linebacker position in recent years. Um, and then Wisconsin, Jim Leonard was the yeah. first offer for Derek Weisskopf. And that's not something you see often in the state of Iowa. Usually with those Iowa kids, Iowa or, you know, even like Kansas State or Iowa State, Iowa State a lot um, is the first offer. But Wisconsin and Jim Leonard, who – before obviously that whole staff went went out at Wisconsin was kind of known as one of the big names in college football from a defensive perspective and sure. getting those guys in the class was was big early and then like Tyler Barnes said everything just you know kind of flowed after that there wasn't wasn't a lot of big misses as we've seen in some other classes I mean noting Caden Proctor in the 2023 class and then a few others in 2022 but I mean outside of that I mean there really wasn't a lot of big misses in this class and I mean we saw that in June with the hit rate they had on those official on that official visit weekend and then you know the official visit they had earlier in the year with Michael Burt so yeah um yeah a good a good class up and down not a lot of holes there um so yeah I'm getting ready I'm excited to talk about it it seems like a very high floor class and it seems like a very above average Iowa class and I mean that from the standpoint like I don't see a lot of non-contributors in this group you know what I mean like this is a very very high floor class I think they did an excellent job I think the only real miss and I think you wrote about this Sean was uh Jalen Todd at cornerback who ended up going to Kansas it looked like Iowa had the advantage for a while but you know I give a lot of credit to Kansas for the perception of their program and what they've done over the past few years to kind of you know, go from arguably the worst power five team, at least bottom three, and turning it into a pretty respectable program uh, down there in Lawrence. But Jalen Todd's probably the only one I can think of. And you're right. It, it seems like when you think about some of the Iowa in-state guys, Iowa is usually the first to sort of offer these guys and get out ahead of the curve. But they did not rush the process. I think they kind of trusted their evaluation. And I think a common thing that you've reported on, and, you know, I think it's been typical over the course of Ference's career is 
Iowa's honest evaluation process when it comes to recruiting guys, when it comes to, you know, getting commitments say, you know, I think there's frequent con, you know, contact there despite maybe no offer being there immediately. And I think when you think about the Iowa culture and getting the right type of kids or, you know, the, the players that typically go to Iowa, they respect the way Iowa goes through the process of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's, the prime example of that is Bodie McCaslin, who I went to his signing day last or uh, earlier this week. And, you know, it's a different recruiting process. His dad was a staffer at University of Nebraska, Omaha, before their football program was disbanded and was at Buffalo with Lance Leipold when, uh, when he was there. And Kansas and Kansas State were the first two offers for him. Had a great relationship with the staff at Kansas, obviously. And then Lot, or his dad, Bodie's dad, Brad McCaslin, was also on the staff with a couple of Kansas State coaches. So there was obviously a big relationship factor there. And Iowa was involved early, but didn't offer and kind of just said, hey, look, here's what we want to see from you. We want to see you add 35, 40 pounds and see how you can move in the spring. And then we'll go, we'll go from there. And Bodie did all that, and Iowa didn't have a lot of contact during that, you know, time frame from when they told him that to when they got the offer, and they offered, and they were able to get the job job done in the end. And, you know, I think that goes back to not only, like, the honest evaluation thing, but also just, like, I think a lot of people respect how Iowa does it with recruiting because – you know, they're not blowing up your phone all the time. Um, and that's something that I think is valuable nowadays because you see a lot of these coaches, you know, recruiting nonstop and, you know, always always talking to guys. And, I mean, I was definitely in contact with a lot of these guys. But I think there's a certain type of kid that Iowa recruits that not a lot of programs um, – have kind of done or, you know, kind of do it the way Iowa does it. And there's a lot of respect there. I mean, some kids don't like it as we've seen in the past, but I think the way that Iowa goes about recruiting some of these kids and, you know, not being in contact all the time and, you know, understanding they got stuff to do, but still managing to be there is pretty important. And, you know, that kind of goes, goes back to the culture that Iowa has really established and, as Tyler Barnes said, they're pretty old-fashioned with the way they do it. But, I mean, hey, it's worked out well for them. 2022 class, we saw six guys burn their red shirts on their first, in their first year on campus. number of guys worked their way into the rotation on offense and defense. Special teams, too. Drew Stevens was one of those guys. Um, 2023 class, we didn't see a lot of early contributors. But, I mean, John Nestor was playing on special teams. He had his red shirt burned. Zach Ortworth stepped up at tight end. Yeah. Um, when those when Luke Lachey and Eric all went down and we've heard a lot of really good things, especially that offensive line group and quarterback Marco Linez about the progress that they've made in their first year and, you know, how they've been able to adjust. So, I mean, it, in this 2024 class, too, like you said, just a lot of high floor guys that you could potentially see competing in due time in Iowa City. And I think that's really important because, I mean, you look at these last couple of recruiting classes. None of these guys on the list, you can really point out and say, okay, this guy's going to be a miss. They're like, you know, yeah. I'm not too sure about this guy. I'm not too sure about their evaluation. I'm not too sure how they can fit in. It feels like those last three recruiting classes, there are a lot less of those types of guys. 
And honestly, like in the last two, especially like, I don't really see any of those. Yeah. And I think that goes to show, you know, kind of just how Iowa has been able to stack this roster and continue to, you know, get these guys in the fold and, you know, sell them on what Iowa wants to do from a development standpoint. I mean, not a lot of immediate impact guys, but looking at next year's roster, how many do you really need of those? And that was the case with last year too. I mean, with uh, the yeah. class that you had mentioned, like there are still guys that probably could have played maybe a little bit, but you always take the returning experience guys that have kind of been through the process of it. So the fact that they weren't immediately, you know, contributing, it should not be an indictment on, on them this early. Um, and we're going to see what happens. I mean, obviously there's still plenty of decisions for, you know, guys to make. I and mean, when you think about guys like Jay Higgins, you think about Cooper DeGene still has not made a decision. Uh, YA Black has not publicly announced what he's going to do. Luke Lachey, Eric All. And, you know, let's start on the offense then. Speaking of Luke Lachey and Eric All, I mean, let's go with the tight ends. I think if there's a couple positions I really don't question Iowa on, Sean, it's defensive back and tight end just because of the level of success that they've had. Gavin Hoffman, I, I really, really believe could be an impact player. Maybe not next year, but him being an early enrollee in January, Six foot five, 220 pounds, athletic freak. Don't look at his numbers and, and kind of roll your eyes. Like, this is a very high ceiling caliber guy. I don't want to say he's like a TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant or, you know, George Kittle or whatever, but this is a guy that could potentially have an NFL future. And you look at the way the room could look next year. You know, Stilianos is gone. We're going to see what happens with Luke Lachey. We're going to see what happens with Eric All. But Gavin Hoffman getting on campus early, being able to go through the winter workouts, I think is going to be huge. I'm very high on him. And another guy too, Michael Burt, as you mentioned, I mean, six foot six, 235 pounder, excellent blocker. Creighton Prep runs a lot. It's a very run heavy offense. It used to be more of a powerhouse in Nebraska high school football than it has been in the past couple of years, but they have a really, really good program still there now. But, uh, you know, Michael Burt's a guy where, you know, I really don't – I want to see more from him as far as, you know, catching the ball and doing some more things athletically. But you talk about a very fundamentally sound player that really fits into the culture with what Iowa likes to do. And just in terms of who he is as a person, who he is as a football player, I think he's going to seamlessly transition into that room. Uh, but I really, really like this tight end class that Abdul Hodge is going to have in the future. It's just, it just – it definitely has a lot of upside in my opinion. Yeah, and you see kind of the trends that these tight ends have during their recruitment. I mean, Hoffman had – Iowa was a little bit later to the game, but they were pretty involved in the spring. And after the Iowa offer came in, you see a number of SEC schools that come in. Michael Burt, this is like the prime example of that. He picked up – Iowa saw him at the Lindenwood camp down in St. Louis, invite him up for a camp, offered him, and then you see Nebraska, Illinois, Minnesota offer in a matter of hours. Um, so that goes to show the tight end develop or the tight end, you know, evaluation success at Iowa, because once these guys got this offer from Iowa, then you see more of these schools start to really get involved. And Hoffman had a few power five offers before Iowa, but you saw those SEC schools start to come in and you mentioned it. I mean, the big thing with Hoffman was one of the knocks on him was, you know, how much weight can he put on? How much weight can he play at and still be effective? Because really good receiver can get behind the safeties, pretty good blocker too, pretty physical player. Um, But just like how much weight can he really put on and be effective? 
So that's that's one of the big knocks on him when his why his recruitment got kick started a little bit later. And then with Bird, it's like, you know, Creighton Prep, like you said, is a pretty run heavy offense, and not a lot of people really saw him go deep or go long or whatever. And you know, at this camp, I will at the camps I was able to see him move around, and we're really impressed by him. And you know, I think he's going to have a frame where he's going to be able to add on more weight. I think he's around six six two thirty. Right now and seeing him in person, he's got a pretty skinny skinny frame and it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how how Iowa can kinda of do with that because you know, he can be a dual threat guy for Iowa, potentially play in line, potentially play out wide. Um, I mean Iowa's stacking stacking guys in the in the tight end room. We saw what Addison Estranga's done the past few years, especially this past season. Zach Ortworth showed plenty of promise. Cale Vanderbush and Grant Leaper are two more developmentary guys. Yeah. But I mean, and potentially what they could add in the 2025 class with Luca Gilbert, Thomas Meyer, you know, this tight end room is, is going to be in good shape for a while. And, you know, that's one that's one position group, like you said, you never you never want to doubt Iowa on because they're going to find guys to get in there and they're going to find a way to stack that room. And, you know, as as, as they keep having success, then it's just going to continue for them. Let's dive into uh, the quarterback. The class, James Rosar. I know you've spent plenty of time talking to him. You've actually, I believe, you interviewed him in person for forty-five minutes last January. It was last January, correct? Yeah, yeah, late, like probably late December. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it was the new year. But this is a guy where, if you talk about the best athlete that Iowa's had at quarterback, I'd have to go back quite a ways. Like C.J. Beathard was a good athlete, but he wasn't kind of a breakaway guy. He can maneuver well in the pocket. He could extend some plays like Razar is an athlete right now playing quarterback. But when you're Iowa, I really don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, Tyler Barnes and the staff believe he can get down to a, a 10-5 in track season this year, about six foot four, about 210 pounds. He throw on another 15 pounds if on him. And if he can keep that sort of speed, that's going to be big. I think his passing mechanics still is quarterback mechanics still need a little bit of, of polishing up. But, you know, for all the people clamoring for Iowa to add some more, like some sort of athleticism to that quarterback room, they addressed it, I believe, Sean. I think, you know, you look at this year, you look at next year with Jimmy Sullivan, who's already committed in that 2025 class. This is where I give Iowa credit. Now we need to see how they're going to implement them in the system and if they can break through and become starters or see action, et cetera. But there's going to be some more athleticism in that room. And are they going to, you know, cater the playbook? toward the quarterback strengths or are they just going to kind of say, all right, you're going to stay in the pocket. We're going to run the same old, same old, because if you look at Razar and his skill set, there's a lot of different things Iowa's offense could do while still like remaining true to its identity. And I think that's going to be a big, big test uh, for Kirk Ferentz and for whoever the next offensive coordinator is. Yeah. I mean, Razar, you don't, you don't see that speed, but a lot of the, a big reason why a lot of those schools kind of, didn't offer him was that passing, you know, his mechanics and obviously he's got kind of a longer release, not necessarily a a power passer, a guy that can, you know, throw for high velocity or, you know, kind of got some zip on the ball like you see with some of these quarterbacks. But, you know, he's a decent accuracy. Um, obviously, his mobility is a big part of his game. And, you know, I think a big reason why we didn't see Iowa's offense really grow or really progress was because they haven't had a quarterback that can make plays outside the pocket or really move around. Mm-hmm. Kay McMahon is obviously 
more mobile than I was has had in the past quarterback wise since CJ Beathard, but you know, he's been he was playing on one leg this year, or it felt like it at times. Yeah. Obviously still bothered by that injury throughout the year. So yeah, I mean adding Razar is definitely a, a different change of pace, but as we said, I mean he's he's more raw as a passer than some of these guys like Deacon Hill or Marco Linez, um, or even Cade. I mean, Cade was probably the most polished passer coming out of high school. Um, so it's going to be interesting in a couple of years, what happens at the quarterback position. Obviously Cade has one more season. Deacon Hill has two more. Um, Marco has four and then James will very much, will very, will redshirt this year. And that 2025 quarterback battle, I mean, I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. I don't think Rosario is going to be completely ready for it yet, but how much of a shot does I will give Marco Lina as if he can continue to stay on this on this uh, level of development that he is, or on this path of development that he has had. And similar to Deacon Hill, I mean, Deacon showed promise throughout the year, but, you know, is Iowa going to value game experience more than they will, you know, potentially talent? Um, so that's yeah. that's going to be an interesting an interesting dynamic in the next few years. I, I don't think Razar is going to be part of that. I mean, he'll they, they'll throw his name into the mix, but... I think maybe 2026 is when we really start to see his name emerge as a potential starting spot. And, you know, like you said, I mean, just so much talent from a, from an athletic standpoint. And that, that aspect is, is very impressive. I mean, remember he had coaches from Georgia and Clemson come to watch him throw too. And while they, while Jacksonville is kind of a hotbed for recruiting too, with a couple of those Florida schools and, the talent that they have down there. I know there were a couple of programs that produced some power five guys this year. There's some four star guys. Um, so they were kind of just down there to see what's what, but I mean, they, he had some big schools that were looking at him for a bit. And I think that athletic, that athleticism is something that really has to be brought up when mentioning him because he brings that different dynamic that Iowa has not had, but we know how much of, how much of being an accurate passer goes into Iowa's offense because that's something that has really lacked the last couple of years. And you got to have an arm on you too. And Rosario's got potential to have an arm. I mean, can once he gets more weight on his frame, he can he can potentially swing a little bit more. But you know, mechanics yeah. and quarter quarterback development, man, like that's something that Iowa I think you know hasn't had the last couple of years. And you know, with these guys in the room, there's a lot more potential I think with their mobility. But, you know, how can they kind of grow from a thrower standpoint and just being those kind of traditional quarterbacks while also, you know, being able to run the football and move, move, make the offense more dynamic with their mobility. And and I think that's why the quarterback, the new quarterback coach is going to be so important in the new offensive coordinator, because reminder, Brian Ferentz wasn't just the offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback's coach. So who's going to slide in there at quarterback's coach? to be in charge of developing these guys, to be in charge of developing Marco Linez, you know, James Rosar, Jimmy Sullivan, when he gets on campus, Deacon Hill. Um, so I'm very, very curious about that. But speaking of athleticism, let's flip uh, over to the defense, right? I mean, really quick, because this linebacker group, I'm excited, Sean. Like, these guys are all within 60 miles of Iowa City. But this like people might roll their eyes and, you know, the outsiders might roll their eyes when they think about, oh, it's a small town, Iowa guys going to Iowa, you know, they're not going to be anything special. This is a very high ceiling, dangerous linebacker group. I mean, Preston Reese, 
was absolutely tremendous. I believe he's the state's all-time leading passer now. Sean, can you confirm that? Yeah, I think pass and rushing yards is what he uh, combined is what he leads the state in. Yeah, so he has that. And then I am a huge advocate for Cam Buffington. I I know we played A-man football, Winfield Mountain Union, but man, he is an absolute athletic freak. He has such a high ceiling. I'm really excited for him to get on campus and to really watch the way he develops. I mean, you talk about Mr. Versatility, Mr. Kind of can do everything. Buffington fits that mold. And then Williamsburg, Derek Weisskopf, six foot three, I believe he's up to 205, 210 pounds now. But that's another mm-hmm. freak athlete, top 247 guy, 197th by overall by 24-7 sports. Like, I think they were three of the earliest commits in this class. But Iowa did not need to go outside the state to land some dynamic linebackers. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this linebacker room looks next year because we're still waiting on word from Sebastian Castro, who plays cash. Uh, we're waiting on Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, you know, could potentially come back if he gets a waiver from the NCAA. Uh, but you're adding these guys into, I think, a very good and very competitive linebacker group. But, Sean, the linebacker room, if, if Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson and Sebastian Castro leave, in my opinion, it's going to be a pretty wide-open competition of who's going to be the starting guys. And I think it's an, it's a lot to ask for a true freshman to get a shot starting. I don't think they will. But the opportunity for them to be able to prove themselves – is going to be there. And that's something that I'm really, really intrigued about just to see how this sort of all shakes out. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I mean Kyler Fisher appears to be coming back, so that's a good sign. But if Iowa loses both Higgins and Jackson, then I think you might have to look for at the portal for uh for another linebacker um to take on that starting spot. And Iowa has a really strong sell for that. But going back to these freshmen, I mean, it was pretty nice during their recruitments. I mean, their recruitments didn't last very long in terms of when they started getting offers to when they committed to Iowa. But just to see these guys within a pretty close radius to Iowa City was uh, was pretty ideal for me because usually or in past cycles I've had to go all the way out to Des Moines or even like Council Bluffs, Western Iowa, places like that. So having these guys close was was ideal, and you know they're they're all just super athletics. I mean, they're super athletic, pretty raw from a linebacker's perspective. I think Buffington might be the most polished of them, but. I mean, you look at Reese. I mean, that quarterback linebacker type of uh, type of deal that he has is is really good for him to going to help him progress. And he'll have to add more on the frame. But I mean, he's probably the sleeper of this class has been Duncan since he was in eighth grade and he was around six foot. Um, so he he's kind of one of those high floor, hard nosed types of kids who are going to come in and compete and 
Buffington, I mean, I think he ran the the 40 yard dash at four, eight, four, nine, and four, five this year. Um, at or yeah, four, let me get my decimals down 4.48, 4.49, and 4.5 this year at Iowa's camp at six foot two, 223 pounds. And I think he had a really good broad drum, broad jump too. And that kind of tells you all I need to know about his athleticism and his production. I know it's the eight man level, but his production at running back and linebacker and just the way he was able to be around the football reminded me a bit of Jack Campbell when we saw him back when we first started doing this, Dave. Um, Just his sideline to sideline ability. And while the eight man field's smaller, you know, his ability to just be around the football and, you know, move side to side was, was really impressive. And I think is going to potentially get him on the field on special teams and then could potentially compete for a spot at the linebacker position in year two or three. And then Weisskopf was probably the most technically sound line or player overall. This group never played linebacker Williamsburg, played safety and wide receiver, and then had to play quarterback this year when Williams quarterback was down and, you know, hopefully Williamsburg to a state championship in class, uh, class three, a, I believe. Yeah. Class three, a, so, I mean, all these guys, I mean, all three of them are really good basketball players. Restarted his basketball career, AAU with the Iowa Barnstormers, one of the premier programs in the state. Weiskopf was dunking on guys with at, on Martin Bros, just like Cooper DeGene was a couple years ago. Um, and the thing with Weiskopf, too, is he's probably one of the more reliable tacklers I've seen. His open field tackling and the ability to bring guys down is super impressive. And the way he, the way he has experience and coverage, too, I think is really going to benefit him at Iowa. And I think he's honestly the perfect spot for that Leo position. But Iowa really hasn't a step. Iowa's going to teach them all three linebacker spots and go from there. But I'm really intrigued to see how these guys kind of fit the next couple of years with the linebackers they already have in the fold. I mean, yeah. Ben Keeter, Kirk Ferentz mentioned him. Um, he's going to get a lot of run in during bowl prep because Jay Higgins is out or Jay Higgins is kind of resting up. Um, because, you know, the wear and tear that this season has had on him and how much he's had to play. So Keeter is going to get more snaps. And, you know, we all saw what he what he could do in high school and his athletic his athleticism, the wrestling background, everything like that. There's been a lot of positive reviews about him. Um, Aiden Hall is another guy who could be kind of that hybrid uh, Leo type of guy, too, as a true freshman. And we haven't seen a ton from Landon Van Kiekwerks and Jaden Montgomery, the two sophomore. They'll be soft, true soft or redshirt sophomores next year, third year on campus because they've been injured. But Iowa was really high on Landon Van Kiekwerks, especially. So it'll be fascinating to see how these guys kind of work in in the coming years because you know there there's a decent amount of you know production and talent in this room. And, but there's also a lot of questions of, like, what what can this room look like in the next few years and who kind of takes what spot? I mean, I'm betting on these three guys that they have coming in in this class to really make an impact in due time. I mean, special teams seems like the most ideal fit right now in their first year. But like I said with some of the other guys, I mean, who knows what could happen in 2025, 2026. I mean, if I had to bet on one, I think it might be Buffington seeing the field early, not as a true freshman, yeah. but – you know, potentially in his second or third year, then it's kind of fair game from there to kind of see how this linebacker room shapes up. Because, I mean, all three of them could really compete on the field together, you know, later on in their career and, you know, potentially make a really good name for themselves on special teams too. So, I mean, just athleticism, man, there's just so much athleticism that they have added in the last two cycles in that linebacker room. 
didn't need to make a lot of noise in 2023, but you land force you land Keter, who was a world champion wrestler, four star guy. Aiden Hall was running, you know, sub 11, 100 meter dashes before he got hurt at a pretty good size. So there's just so much athleticism bad. Plus, you bring in Burke Gotcher next year. And, you know, they just seems like the overall athleticism in this room is getting better and better. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty, pretty, uh, you know, big statement to make, especially when you consider Iowa's linebacker success in the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and speaking of which, like you said, I, I love this linebacker group. I it's it's a very tough call for me where Iowa really hit a grand slam as far as position goes, or who had the best position group in this class. Because I think you can make an argument for tight end. I think you can make an argument for linebackers. I think you can make an argument for offensive and defensive line, quite frankly, Sean. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a really, really good job with this. Uh, but kind of going off that, too, a question I've kind of posed just for fun that I- I've been really thinking about, and I still don't know what I would say, but what would you say Iowa did a better job in the offensive or defensive line? Because it, it to me, it just seems so hand-in-hand, hand. I think, you know, George Barnett did a great job in this. I think Kelvin Bell and Jay Neiman are both extremely happy. And there's a lot of different sort of talents in each of those groups. But I may give the slight edge to the defensive line mm-hmm. simply because I love the versatility of it. I love uh, Shime Shinike from Plano, Texas. I, I think he has a very high upside. I think he could be a really good defensive tackle. But then you look at guys who are still relatively new to football. Right. Like Devin Kennedy, I think, is going to be really, really good as well. But this is only his second real season playing football. I think about, you know, I I think about Joseph Anderson. I think he has a high ceiling as well. Like, what would you say offensive or defensive line? Because I I truly can't pick, but if I had to, I maybe I give the slightest, slightest edge uh, to the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, these, before I kind of give my pick on that, these were two of the positions that I think were really important for Iowa to hit on in this cycle. Because you look at the scholarship chart, I mean, Iowa could lose five of their starting off or five of their top offensive linemen on next year's team after next year. And then there's always a chance that maybe Jennings Dunker, if he has a really good year, could go pro. And then after that, it's kind of like, you know, what are we, what are we dealing with? Because there's a lot of, I mean, a couple guys still have two years left going into this year or going into 2024, but, you know, they, they got to start getting that next wave of guys in there too. And we saw what the 2023 class heard a lot of positive things about them, but you got to get more than four guys or four or five guys. And I think this 2024 offensive line class can gel in really well with that 2023 class. And it's the same thing with the 2024 class. I mean, for the defensive line, assuming that, you know, Deontay Craig is gone after next year. Uh, Ethan Herkett could be gone after next year, though he has another year of eligibility remaining. Yahweh Black potentially be gone next year. Um, Obviously, he hasn't made official if he's going to return, but it's for 2024, but it's likely that he does. Aaron Mm -hmm. Graves could potentially go the draft after his junior season. And then it's kind of like you have a lot of you have guys that were in the rotation this year, but you don't have a lot of proven commodities. And I think with this defensive line class, you have a you have a guy like Drew Campbell, different player from Jack Campbell, much different player, much different position, but just a different style of player. 
Um, really good athlete still, not, not as twitchy as Jack was, but, you know, kind of has a way of being around the football and, you know, it's kind of just one of those solid, potentially weak, weak side defensive line or defensive, uh, defensive edge guys. Um, really good with the hands, you know, has, has an array of moves on the defensive line can get to the passer, put up really good numbers this year in class 5A at Cedar Falls. He's the guy that's potentially going to be, you know, an impact player, his third or fourth year. Shima Shanike, I mean, you can't teach that size. Like, yeah. he is very long, very lengthy. Iowa kind of sees him more as an edge right now, but I think he could be, you know, one of those guys that potentially plays a defensive tackle depending on the package, um, those third down type packages where they want to get to the passer. Devin Kennedy looks like a true defensive tackle to me, a guy that, like I said, I mean, NFL bloodlines. I mean, three of the four guys in Iowa's defensive line class in 2024 come from an NFL, have an NFL or have a family member who was an NFL, who is or was an NFL player with Campbell, Kennedy, and Joseph Anderson. And those are some of the things that, you know, a lot of evaluators and a lot of coaches really look for because more often than not, like those bloodlines play a big, impact or major factor you know how these players kind of develop and can kind of grow so I mean defense I mean offensive line I think I would give the nod to defensive line maybe I mean Joseph Anderson his senior youth film was he's still pretty raw but man like he is impressive get a little more size on him and he could be he could be a freak on the edge um so that's tough that's really a tough question to answer because I think both. It's of them almost bring like you talk lot. yourself into it at one point, and then you talk yeah. yourself out of it, right? And you're just going back and forth. That's literally what I just did too. And every time I kind of compare the classes, I just I lean one way one minute, and then I lean back the other way the next minute. Right, like a guy like Will Nolan on the offensive line, I could potentially see, you know, maybe on the two deeps in his second year. Um, Cody Fox, I mean, the interior is pretty heavy in the next couple of years, but I think yep. he can work his way in there. Um, Bodie McCaslin, I mean. His he comes from a family of athletes. I mean, his brother plays at North Dakota State. His sister played at uh, Mississippi State soccer. Really good family of athletes. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of guys like I'd look at him and say, I don't think, you know, they're potentially going to see, you know, the field in their career. It's like I see guys that are more so, okay, I could see potentially these guys coming in the mix like their second or third year. No, I'm not saying all those guys are going to be. I think it's going to be – less than more but yeah. you know these guys just find a way of coming into the rotation especially but um I don't know man yeah that's that's a tough question like I think I would lean defensive line like a little bit more but offensive line like I think we've heard more about this offensive line group with the freshman class this past year than we heard about the freshman class on the defensive line this year's group so I'm going to lean defensive line a little bit though I think the defensive line's going to need a little bit more time than the offensive line to fully yeah. develop and fully, you know, reach that potential. No, I think that's a good point too. And I also look at this, Sean, I mean, we've been hearing so much about the 2023 class and like the true freshman class and how great they've been on the scout team. Like George Barnett and Kirk and company are very confident in the players uh, that they have in that class. So I think that's going to be pretty valuable. Uh, but Sean, you know what? I I'm thinking about this. We've been, going at this for a little while, but we still haven't even touched on the wide receivers or running backs. So I'm thinking we should split this into two parts. We're going to dive more into the skill position players next swarm cast, which will come out relatively 
relatively soon. But, you know, with KJ Parker, with Brevin Dahl, with Xavier Williams at running back, like there's still so many other things we need to talk about, including the superlatives. Uh, but this was a good, good starting point, you know, for people to kind of get introduced to this 2024 class. There are seven four-star commits by uh, 24-7 Sports. Sean wrote a bunch of content about it. We're going to have still more content to come uh, with some of the new players. I'll have a column here probably in the next couple of days about my overall thoughts about the class. But stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for that. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247, and get 60% off an annual subscription to Hawkeye Insider. That's going to be going for another couple of days and really, really get access to the most in-depth and insider information about Iowa athletics with the transfer portal still being a thing right now. Iowa's still searching for its offensive coordinator. The bowl game coming up, we got plenty of stuff ahead, so stay locked in to Hawkeye Insider dot com.